0: You are listening to the Staffing Tech Podcast Series. In this series, staffing executives offer valuable insights for leaders across the industry to learn from. The ultimate goal of the podcast is to elevate the discussion of staffing technology, provide actionable insights to decision makers, help listeners learn from the experience, successes, and sometimes failures of leaders who have innovated and are moving the space forward, and enhance the future state of the staffing industry. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. In this episode of the Staffing Tech Talk podcast series, David Francis asked Jordan Block his advice for companies that want to scale, in particular, smaller staffing firms that may be more resource constrained. Jordan shares a roadmap for companies that wish to grow their business with technology and gives ideas for how to place smart, calculated bets. The episode concludes with how to best handle technology vendors to receive a good return on investment. From kind of like a baseline perspective, so coming from, it sounds like the business you have today and the, the technology stack you have today is kind of grown organically. Maybe looking back a few years before you had all these solutions in place, you know, maybe when you were first kind of evaluating the market, a lot of companies today, you know, don't even have like an applicant tracking system, for example. And so if you have any advice for companies that that want to scale, you know, is there a roadmap per se for solutions they should implement or what's kind of a foundational system that you can build a scalable business off of? Or, you know, if there's a there's a company kind of coming to you for for advice, like I want to grow the business, we're not that technologically savvy, you know, what advice do you have for us? What would you say?
1: It's a great question. And I think from at least my industry experience and what we do, I mean, I speak with staffing owners all the time and always at the conferences, always chatting with people about what their organizations look like and and what's right. And what I found is there's no right. Single solution for everyone. I, I think when you look at our industry, there's over 20,000 staffing companies. Yeah. I think 200 or, or over 100 million in revenue. We have 19,800 that are under 100 million in revenue. And I don't remember how it breaks down, but the large majority of them are, are fairly, below, you know, maybe $20 million or less in revenue. So there comes a point when technology may not be feasible to implement. So I think it's incumbent upon the business owner to look at what makes sense for their business, where they're trying to go in a future state, and how do you best set yourself up today to achieve that success? So really taking a strategic view, a strategic approach to all of this. From my perspective, in almost all cases that I have seen, and this is just in my experience from all the case studies I've spoken to other owners about, an applicant tracking system almost always makes sense. Outside of a very small company and there are a lot of ATS providers out there that you can capture really robust technology and maybe get eighty or ninety percent of your technology needs from the ATS and at a small company it's a really scalable number the, the monthly investment is not that large it's not overly expensive to integrate into whatever you're doing today it really just becomes a mentality thing of Will your team embrace it? So from our perspective, as we grew the business, our mantra was if it's not in Job Diva, it doesn't exist. So we really made sure that every action, every note, every conversation, every email, phone call, everything's logged and noted in the system. This way we could run reports and metrics and insight. So we're really taking data, turning that into information, information into knowledge, and get a little, you know, a full life cycle there. So I think having an ATS is important. Picking the right provider is important. And again, that depends on what's important for you as a staffing company or an owner, and making sure that your internal teams will adopt it. So I think there's an adoption piece there also. But those would be my uh, high level directions on app contracting systems, because that really is the core, the backbone structure, technology component to any staffing company.
0: Yeah. In the staffing industry, there's, you know, a whole number of specialized providers, even, you know, down to kind of occupational specialty uh, providers with the whole systems kind of architecture around the unique workflows of a particular industry, like healthcare, for example, or or, uh, retail, et cetera. We've also found that there's some, you know, I guess to your point, Jordan, you know, from a, a smaller company's perspective, in your case, you're using, you said, I think it was something like 75 companies, but I think your point where you can use kind of one system for a majority of your needs, that tends to be pretty true. So- it's a great point. No, I definitely
1: do. And, and David, just, just to quickly elaborate, I think just in my conversations with a lot of colleagues and, and counterparts, I know a lot of staffing companies that operate with QuickBooks and, and Excel. You know, Yeah. <laughs> right. And and at the end of the day, they're making a nice amount and they're doing well by their employees and clients and themselves. So again, it comes down to what's important to you, where's your values. And and Excel and QuickBooks, that's technology too, right? it it's more than uh, paper time cards, but it, it's a spectrum, right. right? It's a continuum of what's important and how much you want to weigh into it.
0: You know, it's another question. i just thinking about it now because, you know, like I said, we we actually ran a survey recently with the American Staffing Association where we, you know, asked staffing companies about their, their technology stack. And we basically can map out like kind of uh, industry tech stacks, which is where we got that whole kind of, you know, spectrum from. And there's an, a lot of companies that, to your point, are basically running their business on, you know, QuickBooks and Excel, you know, my question is like in five years or 10 years from now, or is there any period of time where like, that's just not possible anymore? Like, do those business, like, are they eventually gonna, you know, go away or, you know, is that kind of an operating model, you know, where it's kind of a possibly an owner like a lifestyle business? Maybe you think that's going to continue on in perpetuity?
1: Part of me says from hearing all of the stories and the war stories from my grandfather back from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah. hearing all that. The, the one constant in this industry is that it's a relationship business. Relationships are important with your customers, with your employees, with your internal team members. So if you're a small company, if, if you're a lifestyle business operating, and you have a wonderful relationship with the facility down the road from you and you're staffing five direct hires a, a year or a month or whatever your numbers look like, and that's sustainable for you. I, I don't imagine that changing because relationships are so important. Now, I guess on the other hand, I would argue with platforms coming in place and all of these systems to really cut out the middleman or the middle entity, is that going to impact these small players? I don't have a crystal ball to know that. But I can just say in the last 40, 50 years of stories that our family has seen, that relationship is so important. And if you maintain positive relationships, your business is going to succeed.
0: Got it. Appreciate the point. So we'll actually get into you kind of platforms in a second here, but one last point I want to touch on. I know your your organization is not particularly gung-ho about trying to build your own technology solutions. That does seem, while it's not, you know, the most common thing that, that staff and companies do, it's also not that uncommon to see companies decide to try to build you know, technology solutions themselves for a variety of reasons. Either they want to you know, try to increase the value of their business or they, you know, can't find a solution that meets 100% of the needs, et cetera. Can you walk me through kind of your thought process behind, it seems like you're pretty adamant that your companies decided like, we're not, you know, technology builders. You know, how'd you kind of come to that that place? Or they say trial by fire or been there, done that, <laughs> not going to be doing it.
1: <laughs> we built our own payroll system and we managed it for about 20 years. it was a proprietary system. It was all managed and built internally and it accomplished everything and helped our company grow from a very, very small company to a fairly large organization. And we got to the point where any changes, modifications, additions, upgrades, anything that needed to be impacted or updated, relied on a very, very, very small team of, of experts to make those changes. And from a business continuity perspective, that put us in a really precarious situation. If the proverbial bus would have hit someone and you know if they didn't come to work that next day, that puts the organization in a great deal of exposure. And we decided at that point that it's not something as responsible business owners that, that we would allow to happen. So if we went with more mainstream technology, I mean
0: they can hold your company hostage too, exactly. right? I mean if you're if you've got that kind of single point of failure and, and you know the one person who's got the keys to the system that you know pays all the people you've got out there, yeah, it seems like a risky proposition.
1: Yeah, and, and I I have a lot of conversations with fellow CIOs and COOs and CEOs. We talk about this all the time and what I've found in some of the small to mid-sized firms, these projects end up becoming just side or pet projects or things of passion. You know, it, there's some vanity behind saying, we built this beautiful, incredible system. And then when you dive underneath the hood, it, it's it's held together with duct tape and, and rubber bands, and they've invested millions of dollars in this. And sometimes, you know, they don't know to just kind of take it out behind the house and set it out to pasture. <laughs> and I, I've heard the war stories, you know, where, you know, we just one one colleague told me he invested $3 million in a add-ons to his ATS system. And after all the development, you know they got nothing with it. So I've heard the war stories. I also heard the success stories where it's wonderful. Our risk tolerance is, is not there right now. And we'd rather take that investment and make that in people to, to really manage the technology effectively.
0: Got it. And so I guess you've just come to the, I don't know what the word is, maybe the compromise, I guess, maybe is where... If whatever system you're buying, you're probably not going to get 100% of the functionality maybe that you want, but it's not worth it to go, you know, spend that extra X million dollars to try to get it to 100%.
1: You know, it's a great point. And the position, I talked about partnership with vendors a little earlier. And from my perspective, in those discovery conversations, we try and hash out every business use case that we could think of using their technology for And we make sure as partners, they're open to feedback. You know, when we reach out to our ATS vendor, kudos to JobDiva, if we share, hey, here's an area of opportunity, they put that on their roadmap and they actually deliver on it as opposed to just telling you, yeah, we'll be done, you know, next quarter release, next quarter release, right? So we really do our best to partner with companies that can streamline and really help change their products somewhat to help meet our needs. With that said, we understand, you know, we can't control what, where their investment is, and that's just part of part of the overall solution of buying technology. So it's a give and take.
0: Fair point. Thank you for listening to the third episode of Staff and Tech Talk. Stay tuned for the next episode. Can technology be a differentiator in a competitive market?